If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, those of you going to class, feel free to do so at this time as you're doing that and as you're turning in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 4. Let me welcome our online audience this morning. I did not do that as of yet, but may the Lord bless you this morning. We're so grateful that you're here with us uh, today. Uh, We are going to complete our series this morning on a biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit. I I, I was... uh, was shifting around and figuring out where and how to end and to do this. And there's some this morning that is probably taking a sigh of relief at this moment when they hear that I'm going to finish this series. Uh, not just because you're, you've heard it for the last three weeks, uh, but also there are others in this room because they know now that I'm not going to be ministering on an obsession of buying too many shoes uh, or something like that. So, so they can take a breath. Are uh, not going to talk on about how many purses you have or any of those things. So, so I, I'm going to stay focused to the Lord this morning. And uh, you know, it's amazing every trip you take. You find out that, you know, you have more than enough room going, but you never have enough room coming back. I don't know why that is, but, uh, uh, but it's all wonderful. So, uh, but so thankful to be back this morning with you. Ephesians chapter number four, uh, if I can get my glasses on this morning, we're going to continue over the last few weeks. We have, uh, uh, if you want to stand for the reading of the word, I appreciate that. If you're not able, I totally understand. Uh, But for a few moments, we want to dive in this morning. Uh, Ephesians chapter number four. I want to begin in verse number four. uh, And we're going to read down through this chapter. uh, And I'll just ask you to follow along with me to lay a foundation today. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Say that three times real fast. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine." By the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, notice this, may grow up into him in all things, tell your neighbor all things, which is the head, even Christ. Verse number 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, been alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 21. 
If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. And verse number 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your precious people today. Lord, I pray for the next few moments you'd anoint this vessel to speak your word with the authority and the power and the demonstration of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this morning. We find in our text today a message directly given to the church of Jesus Christ. In order for us to really get to where we need to be this morning, let me revisit where we've been over the last few weeks very quickly. A few weeks ago, we started with this particular passage, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I made a statement then and I will stand by it today. And that is this, I sincerely believe one of the greatest needs that we have within the church today is for there to be a biblical understanding concerning the gifts of the Spirit and the purpose of the Spirit, as well as bringing correction, clarity, and a release. There is many gifted people in this room this morning. You have been gifted, not just in a natural realm, but you have been gifted in a spiritual realm, but yet those gifts lie dormant because of fear, uncertainty, Maybe because of not really understanding exactly what all it entails. But can I tell you today, the church in the United States as well as around the globe in the year 2023, it cannot be in a place where it is lying in a state of dormant, but it has to be in a place where it is actively moving and it has been led by the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Everything that is done on the earth and this time is done by or through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. Anything that God wants done on the earth, he moves upon men and women by and through the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost. And if the Holy Ghost is not present, there's not much getting done. Now, when the Holy Ghost is present, things change. And the Holy Ghost does not need an introduction. He doesn't need a man or a woman to sit there and tell the crowd, whether it's 500 or whether it's five or whether it's 5,000, that this is the Holy Spirit. He will make himself known. You do not have to identify him. But there will be a holy hush that comes in the room. There will be a reverence that comes in the room. There will be an authority that comes in the room. Listen, as you've heard me say, and I will not back down from it, there's a lot of people today walking around our nation and the nations of the world that think that they have received the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they got a spirit all right, but it's not the Holy Ghost. 
Because when you're walking with the power of the Holy Ghost, uh, you're not wanting to end your life. You're not going to live in a state of depression. You're not going to be overwhelmed by anxiety. You're going to walk in a place where you know that God's got you and you're going to walk. It doesn't mean you don't go through difficulties. doesn't mean that we don't have bad days, but it means this, that we know who we can call on and our help comes from. And when the enemy tries to bring that black crowd over us, we can resist the devil and he has to flee and we can walk with power and authority. I'm going to try to teach this morning, but man, my preaching, my help is here this morning. So we'll see where we go. But this morning, I want you to understand this gift was never given to men so that men could receive glory. But the gift of the Holy Ghost was given to men so that men could live in a manner that would bring glory to the Lord as they live their daily lives. The question has to be asked, is my life bringing glory and honor to the Lord? I need us to understand this morning. My goal about this teaching in this series has not been to put anybody in a place of reservation saying, oh, is this God or is this God? No, I want you to come to a place of release where you know that it's God, where you walk with clarity, where you walk with passion, where you walk with desire, where you walk where you know that you know. Uh, some of you need to get to the place where you can testify like the old saints did. I know that I know that I know. That wasn't just words that they said. But they knew that they knew that they knew because when everything else was failing them, they had standing on the rock uh, and they realized that even though everything was crumbling, uh, that they were still going to be all right, right where they are. But we have watered this down so much and we've made it so sensational and we've made men and women think that if they have a goose bump or if they have a stammering lip or if they have an emotional outbreak of some sort, that, that is the gift. Listen, it's much more than that. And I pray we understand that this morning. And, and I need you to understand with me today that the early church is our example of what it means when a man or a woman is walking with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Do you realize it was 120 that turned the world upside down? And it was because they got into an upper room and they had empowered, uh, they had encountered the empowerment of the Holy Ghost uh, and they began to speak. And when they did, at the very first outset of that experience, there was, there was multitudes that come to know who Jesus was. Can I, can I remind us this morning that the, the, the Lord is into multiplication. And if you and I are walking with the power and the anointing of God, there should be multiplication in our lives. It means men and women should still be getting saved, delivered, and set free. It means that healing should still be taking place in our presence. It means that the demonic should be expelled in our presence. It means that fear should go. It means that anxiety should go. It means that there should be a place of refuge, a place of hope uh, when the man of God or the woman of God is present. It means when you walk in the room, the atmosphere should change. It means that when you walk into a situation and everybody's saying, oh, this is all there is, but when you walk in, there begins to be hope present in the room. Not because of you, but because of the hope that's in you and because of the Holy Spirit that's in you. You say, I, I don't know about all that, preacher. Please hear me. You and I, as we have taught over the last few weeks, we understand that through the Father, we have been given motivational gifts. We talked about that. That is our, that is our temperament or that is our personality that, that's in our DNA. And, and there are those of you in this room that, that you have that uh, motivational gift uh, or that, that personality of prophecy or ministry and teaching, exhortation, uh, giving, administration, and mercy that we talked about last week. 
But also we know this through our study of the Holy Ghost or through the Holy Spirit. We find in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 that there is a list of manifestation gifts. These are divine abilities that's given to every man, every woman. These are God skills, if you will. These God skills is not just given to a preacher. Please hear me. But they are given to the body of Christ. What are they? We can find them, my friend, Brother Gerton, he breaks it down into three different groups and I think it's very well done. We know that this, the revelation group, is wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. We also know that then there's the power gifts uh, that are considered to be faith, healing, and miracles. And then there is this, the vocal gifts, the prophecy, the tongues, and the interpretation. Every one of them are vital, every one of them are needed. Every one of them are distributed out throughout the body of Christ, meaning this, that we are all fitly joined together and he is the head of this body and he is the one that is to receive the glory and the honor through all of these giftings. But also in our reading this morning, we find that it is through the Son, Jesus Christ, that we are giving our ministry gifts. And in order for you to ever function in your ministry gift, you first have to know what your motivational gift is, but also you have to be open and you have to be willing to embrace uh, the manifestation gifts that God has given us by and through the Holy Ghost. Now we know that there is primary giftings and secondary giftings. We don't have time to teach that this morning. But here this morning, I want you to understand, you do not have to reach a certain spiritual status in order to be used in the manifestation gifts. You just have to be a pure willing vessel that has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your life. Which brings us to the place this morning where we began to look and we began to realize that in the very first verse that we read, there is one body and one spirit. You and I must understand that not only is there one body and one spirit, but there is one baptism. But Paul teaches us that there's many diversities of the gifts. This morning, I want you to understand that a lot of things that we have been accustomed to in the church world doesn't necessarily have God's approval on it. Just because it's been approved by men does not mean it's approved by God. But God is a God of structure and order. If it's out of order, it's not of God. I know you're not going to shout me down. That's okay. But we have learned through studying the scripture that God in his kingdom has a government. There's a structure to it. And the government of the church is to be in the hands of the elders who are the bishops of the church. We find that throughout New Testament scripture. But let me break this down for you. The word elder describes the man or the woman. The word bishop describes the office as well as the words pastor or apostle or prophet, evangelist, teacher. It describes the work or the ministry gift. Please hear me. You and I have to come to a place where we teach a generation of what these ministry gifts are and what are they supposed to look like and what are they supposed to be used for? And that's why it may be a little more teaching this morning. But please hear me. I, I was, I, I, there's, a, there's a, a young minister. I'm not going to call his name. I, I, but I saw on his profile, social media profile the other day, uh, just getting started. I think he's, he, he, he's an all right young guy, I guess. But it's something I'm seeing continually. Is he identifies himself 
as a modern day John the Baptist. Well, okay. Do you understand what you're identifying yourself as? And I could give you countless examples. But I, I want to walk through these five ministry gifts and let you understand that I can give you a gift, but unless you develop or use that gift properly, it does not take on the life that it needs to take on. And some things is a process and it takes time. I know back in the day when I was a kid, we would, we would buy those, uh, you gotta be a rich man to buy them now, it's amazing, but we used to buy those little plastic car models that came in multiple pieces. You could buy them for five bucks. Now they're 35 bucks or 50 bucks, it's crazy. I was like, Hobby Lobby, you lost your mind. But the reality is, me and Jackson will probably build one before long. So that's just, well, that's something else. But the thing is, is, is you know, I can give you one of them and I can tell you what it is, but unless somebody takes the time to put the pieces together and to develop and make it, I can tell you what it is all day long, but you will never see the product unless somebody takes the time to develop it. Every one of you have been given a motivational gift by our Heavenly Father. But the question is, have you developed it? Every one of us has the opportunity by and through the Holy Ghost. Where Jesus gave a command. He said, I want you to go and tarry in Jerusalem because not many days from now you will be endued with power from on high so that you can be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. It was a command of God saying this, you need to go get this. But before he said that, he said, it is important that I go away so that he will come. And through the Holy Spirit, we have been given that revelation gift, those power gifts and those vocal gifts. But unless they're developed, unless they are, unless you begin to walk in them, unless you, and the Bible's very clear, Solomon writes, uh, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, he says, lean not to your own understanding. Meaning this, you've got to allow the word of the Lord to teach you and develop you. And today we have a lot of people walking around self-proclaiming that they're apostles, uh, that they're uh, prophets, that they're pastors, that they're teachers, that they're evangelists, uh, but yet they have never developed anything. And you say, why is that a problem? Is because this week along, and a very renowned individual uh, recently got remarried, uh, and his wife walks to a podium, and she says these words, uh, I, I'm going to show you what a manifestation of the Holy Spirit really looks like. It scared me, and I wasn't even in the building. I was looking at it on my phone. And a lady began to shake her head violently, and began to hiss like a snake, and a congregation of hundreds of people began to believe that that was a manifestation of the power of God. Hear me. These are individuals that are leading the people astray because people have not a true understanding of what an apostle is, what a prophet is, what a pastor is, what a teacher is, and what an evangelist is. Now, I understand y'all are intelligent people, so I'm not saying that you don't understand. But there's one thing to have a natural understanding. It's another thing to have a biblical understanding. How many knows you can be very intelligent in one area and still be ignorant in another area? You don't want me to do brain surgery on you. You don't want me to do any kind of surgery on you. Now, granted, we'll get in there and cut around. We'll figure it out if we have to. 
but I wouldn't want to be you. All right? I'm a firm believer. If a guy puts his mind to it, he can figure it out. I'm not afraid, but you wouldn't want to be my patient because I've not been developed. I've not been trained. You hear me? Now, when we start looking at Ephesians chapter four, what are you really talking about this morning? What I'm really talking to you about is this. We find in this text a very clear message to the church and Paul clearly reveals the heart of God towards his church and that is this. Do you know what God's heart is towards you this morning? It's very simple. He, like any good father, desires for his children to grow and to develop. If you're not growing and you're not developing, you need to self-examine. That's for all of us this morning. Which is why he moved upon Paul to write the book of Ephesians, the letter, I should say, to the church at Ephesus, which we call the book of Ephesians in our Bible. He was not writing to the lost. He was writing to the church. And he wrote in this manner because he wanted them to grow and to develop and not be led astray by false teaching, false doctrine, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Can I tell you, yes, they had crazy stuff back then. But we have an openness of craziness today. Please hear me. There is no reason for any individual in the body of Christ, any individual that has put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no reason at all for them to walk aimlessly through life. He has given us a roadmap for success. The blueprint for success has been given. Paul, his last words, you've heard me say this over and over and over, last words are important. When people are dying, they're not talking about the weather. They're trying to get one last statement. They're trying to get something over to somebody that they care deeply for. They're trying to get somebody to understand. And this is what Paul says to Timothy when he knows that his life is nearing an end. He says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many knows that's a powerful statement when you realize it's one of the final words that somebody's saying? Timothy, I want you to have good success. This is the blueprint for it. Study to show yourself approved unto God. But here's the reason that there is much ignorance, and it's found in Scripture. If you was to read Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 12, you will find this. Much study is a weariness of the flesh. You and I are always in a war of the flesh and the spirit. You have to crucify this flesh every day. Please hear me. There's a, it's a lot of work. People can come up with all kinds of reasons not to. But can I tell you, you and I need to apply ourselves to the word of the Lord so we have knowledge and understanding what is of God and what is not of God. The Bible tells us that we are to try the spirits. But how are you going to try the spirits if you don't know what the word of the Lord is? Because the spirit of God only speaks the word. The Holy Ghost never speaks of himself. He only speaks what he hears. And what he hears comes from the throne room of God. And what he hears, that's what he speaks. So if you want to know if the spirit is speaking something that is truth, you've got to go back and see if it's really in the word. That's why Paul says to Timothy, study to show yourself approved. So today we're looking for the next few moments on these five gifted ministries that is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. Number one is this. What is an apostle? 
There's a lot of people walking around with business cards that says an apostle today. I'm not judging them. I'm just knowing this. I know that an apple tree is an apple tree because it's got apples on it. All right? So if there is no apples on the tree, then you might need to start reexamining. Is that really what they're saying it is? So what does a biblical uh, point of view say about the giftings of the Holy Ghost concerning an apostle? Notice this. The meaning of the word apostle simply is this one that is sent forth with authority. Not just authority that's given to you by man, but it is authority that's given to you by God. And if there's been an authority given to you by God, then things going to change because you can operate and walk in a state of dominion. You can walk in a state of power and a place of authority. An apostle does these things. Number one, he lays foundational truths. If you were to read Ephesians chapter two, verse number 20, you will find that it says this, uh, that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. But when you read all of chapter two, you realize uh, that when the preacher is preaching or the man or the woman is speaking, that they are bringing about uh, and they are speaking things that was laid by upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets of the early church. Now, please hear me. If the man or a woman is not laying foundational truth, I don't care what they call themselves, they're not an apostle. And you need to run from them. But if you're sitting in this house and you have an apostolic anointing on your life, please hear me. In order for you to operate in that apostolic gift, uh, you are going to have to be a man or a woman that knows the word of God. And not just know the word of God, but you're going to have to be well studied and sensitive and allow that word to develop your life and your life must be an example of that word. But not only does an apostle lay a foundational truth, uh, but also it establishes new assemblies. What does that mean? I'm not talking about just building buildings, but it's about developing and building people. Paul simply says this when he was dealing with the church at Corinth because he traveled continually. He was speaking in the lives of men and women. But when he got to uh, over into 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 1 and 2, he simply makes it very clear. He says, you are the evidence that I am an apostle. He said, people can speak against it, but I don't, have to, I don't even have to defend my own self because all I have to do is point them to the church because you wasn't here until I came and established you. If somebody is identifying as an apostle, you have to look around and say, what have they established? Thirdly is this, an apostle will always operate and work in humility and will live a life of sacrifice. And please do not misunderstand the word sacrifice and misinterpret it as poverty. That is not what I'm saying. God does not expect his people to live in poverty. But poverty was broken at the cross. Poverty is a curse. You do not have to live in poverty to be a man of God or to be a woman of God or to be a man of faith or a woman of faith. That is silly. But an apostle is one that will simply walk with humility as well as he will live in a sacrificial manner. Basically, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 22 and 23, as well as chapter 12, verses 11 through 13, he tells them basically that, you know what, you have what you have because I took what God gave me and I gave it to you. One of the traits of an apostle is one that is always investing in somebody. We have a great need for there to be an apostle in the house of God in many, many places today. 
And you say, well, okay, they lay foundational truths. They, they, they establish assemblies. And, and yes, they walk with humility. And, and yes, they live sacrificially. They give continually. But what else? Notice this. As a, an apostolic ministry will always be accompanied with signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm not talking about fluff. But I'm talking about when a man or a woman is walking with an apostolic anointing. When they walk into a room. There will be a displacement of evil. Cancer has to go. Every other disease has to go. Every lie of the enemy has to go. And signs and wonders will follow them. Because why? Because they operate and they walk with authority. And it doesn't mean that they have to take three hours to get it done. But they operate in the authority that Jesus operated in. And men and women can operate that even in the gifts of healing and miracles. And even with casting out devils. Some of the things that we have saw has been absolutely ridiculous in the church world over the last 35, 40 years. Can I tell you, you will never read in scripture where Jesus fought with the devil for five hours to get somebody free. That has given entirely way too much power and credit to an enemy. If you don't have the apostolic authority, you're never going to get it done. But when you start operating with the apostolic authority, you can walk in and say, in the name of Jesus, be loosed, and it has to go. Don't you dare make a spectacle. The house of God is never meant to be built to be a spectacle for the enemy could have a playground. This is not a place for the enemy to play, but this is a place for the rep. Man, I feel the anointing of the Lord even while you're sitting there. Uh, listen, I, I, I want you to understand the house of God is a place for the authority of God to be on display where men and women can be delivered and set free. Uh, listen, you don't go to the ER in the natural for somebody just to talk to you, uh, but you go to the ER so you can get rid of pain, uh, so you can get healed, uh, so you can figure out what's going on. People come to the house of God because they don't want to leave the same way they came. Uh, but if, they, if they're not careful, they get a show, they get a fluff, uh, they get a bunch of emotion, uh, but they don't get no deliverance. Uh, but can I tell you, uh, there's an apostolic authority that comes with the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and I'm here to tell somebody, it's getting ready to come back to the house of God. Uh, and you and I are going to have to get ready for it. Oh, Lord, help me. Uh, can I tell you, uh, there is an apostolic anointing that God wants to release upon the people of God uh, in this hour, in this season. Uh, but listen, uh, we have got our kids, uh, we've got our young people, we've got our adults uh, so confused that they think this is the manifestation of God and this is the manifestation of God and this is the manifestation of God. No, the manifestation of God in an apostolic setting uh, is a man and a woman been set free, delivered, and, and seen the hand of God move in a miraculous way. Don't you cheapen this gospel. Please hear me. A man or a woman can call themselves whatever they want, but if there is no signs and wonders and miracles to validate, and if there is nothing that's been built or created, then you can call you an apostle all day long, but I'm still just going to call you Joe because there is nothing to validate what you're saying. Doesn't matter how many posters you print. Doesn't matter how many people say, oh, you're altogether lovely. What matters is, does the biblical definition define you? If it doesn't define you, then you're not one of them. 
Just because it's man's truth doesn't mean it's God's truth. God says if you're an apostle, you will lay foundational truth. If you're an apostle, you will establish assemblies. Uh, if you're an apostle, you will walk in humility and you will live in a sacrificial manner. And if you're an apostle, you will have signs and wonders and miracles to, to show and to agree and to make it manifest that that's who you are. Secondly, this morning is this, what is a prophet? A prophet is not really, a true prophet is not going to tell you, you give a hundred, you'll get a hundred thousand in return. Now, God wants us to prosper. God wants us to have increase. But what is the biblical definition of a prophet? Simply means this, a prophet is one that speaks forth a divine message. If the message is not divine, then it's not of God. You will find in the days of Jeremiah that there was many that were simply saying, thus saith the Lord, and the Lord said, I ain't said anything to any of them. They're all liars. Can I tell you, there's a lot of lying going on. God didn't say a lot of things that's been said. I'm going to tell you something. There is true prophets, though, that is hearing from the word of the Lord, and it's not really a popular message. People don't like it. Because I'm going to tell you, the message of the prophet today is this. When you get to the nuts and bolts of it, if you want to know what you're listening to is really a true prophet, is it's going to come back to a place of this. It all is going to have to hinge on a place of repentance. If the man or the woman you're listening to that has entitled themselves as a prophet, if it's not calling us to a place of repentance and then something else happening, it's not a prophetic voice. Because it's a divine message for the hour. And can I tell you, if there's ever been a time there needed to be repentance, it's now. Please hear me. Just like an apostle, Ephesians 2 and 20, a prophet will lay foundational truths. If it's not truth, you don't need it. But also this, a prophet will give divine revelation. Ephesians 3, verses 3 through 5 tells us very clearly of this truth, we find it simply says, How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. The word of the Lord, there's mysteries in here. It's only revealed by the Holy Spirit. That's why a lot of intellectual people have a really hard time digesting the word of God because they're trying to come to an intellectual understanding or an intellectual means of this word. This is not an intellectual book, this is a book inspired and divinely written by the Holy Ghost and therefore in order to interpret it or to come to its full understanding and to understand the mysteries of it, it is only able to be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit revealing it to us. And that's why prophets are so vital for the local church in America as well as around the globe today because there's some mysteries for this hour that we need to hear and to know. And it only comes through and by the Holy Spirit. And a prophet gives divine revelation. Also this, a true prophet will foretell future events. What is the reason that the Holy Ghost came? Was so that he show you things that was and is and is to come. How many knows that if you're always just got your defense on the field, you're never going to win a ball game? You have to go on offense. The Holy Ghost comes so that we can operate in offense instead of defense. That is one of the jobs of the prophet. And I'm hurrying this morning very quickly. A prophet foretells events. Acts chapter 11, 27 and 28 makes it very clear. But also this, a prophet will do this. He will exhort, 
he will confirm and he will counsel the brethren. We need counsel today. We need, listen, I am an advocate of Christian counselors. I, but I'm not talking about that kind of counseling. I'm talking about a prophetic counsel. I'm talking about a prophetic revelation where elder men and elder women of the faith that operate in the prophetic gift hears from God and begins to invest in their brethren and in the generation that's following them, but also confirms and exhorts. What does confirm really mean? It means this, God will use the prophetic anointing because how many, I guarantee you, most of you, if not all of you under the sound of my voice at some time in your Christian walk has had God deposit something into your life and then you find yourself in this war. Is this God or is this me? Is this God or is this me? Oh, should I or shouldn't I not? Should I or should I not? And it's this back and forth. Can I tell you, the reason that there is such a struggle is a lot of times is because the absence of the prophet in the local church. If a prophet is in the room, a prophet will come and tell you and say, you know what, the, well, that which the Lord has told you is right. And he won't just say that in general terms, but he can speak to that specific thing or she can speak to that specific thing and it will confirm that, you know what, that's what God's saying to do in this season, this decision of my life, this career of my life. It can go through a whole vast majority of things. The question is, are we willing to receive that counsel? To exhort simply means to edify and equip. And then we find that the evangelist this morning, how desperately we need the evangelist. One of the things that we've done over the last 25 years is we have, for lack of better terminology, I'll say it this way, we have starved the evangelist off the field because nobody wants to go to church anymore. Most places, multi-million dollar complexes sitting all across our landscape today, and they're going to have church on Sunday morning. They may have two services just so they can get it done in a few hours so they don't have to come back the rest of the week. Or they might have a little gathering of some sort in small groups. But outside of that, our building's set empty. And therefore, this office, this gift of the evangelist is no longer present because of the simple fact we used to have three-week revivals. Anybody remember them? Then we had two weeks, then we had a week, then we had week-long camp meetings, but now our camp meetings is down to four days. Our conferences used to be three, and then everybody started leaving halfway through on the second day, so now we're trying to figure out how to do that, so now we're down to a day and a half. And it's like, how do you use and how do you develop the office of the evangelist? Please hear me, an evangelist is one that brings the message of good news. But not only does he bring the good news, but an evangelist is one that has a special gift to minister to the lost and to the sick. I just asked this question hypothetically. I asked this question, is it possible that the reason that we have so many sick folk in the church is because we ain't had an evangelist in for a while? Because he has an anointing. If he is a true evangelist, he will draw the lost, but he also will minister to the sick. But when you go to the house of God and there hasn't been an evangelist there for five years, 
How many knows that's a long time for the enemy to do what he wants to do in people's lives? And sickness can fester and grow and please hear me. It's important we understand that we must make room for all of God's gifts. He has an emotional appeal. An evangelist is gifted where he can pull on the hearts of people. Not always in a good thing because some people rebel against it, but it doesn't matter if they rebel. What matters is that God's word goes forth in the manner that it needs to. If you was to look at the story of Stephen, he was, a, he, he was a man that it was rebelled against, but yet he stood and he, gave, he implanted seeds that others would come and water behind him. Please hear me. If you are an evangelist, if you're gifted to be an evangelist, please hear me. If you're going to minister for the kingdom of God and you're called and you're gifted to be an evangelist, you do not have the luxury of putting five messages together in a binder and just preaching five messages everywhere you go. That's called being lazy and you're not worthy of the call because that's what a lot of people do. You say, oh, you've been harsh. No, I've been real this morning. The Bible's very clear. First Timothy 2, 15, as well as chapter four, verse 15. You should be diligent in the word. And y'all can't get away with it anymore, especially everybody live streaming services. But I'll tell you this, even before everybody was started live streaming services, I will tell you, I have been places and I've heard people get up and preach. And I was like, ah, that's not their message because I know where they got that message from. They had listened to a TV preacher and they thought, well, we'll just make that our own. Listen, it is fine to use a revelation or a word that God has given to somebody. But if you do, if you're an evangelist, if you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, whatever, you always give credit and honor to the person that God gave that to. You notice probably even this morning that I gave you the example of my friend. I don't take credit for something that God didn't give me. I honor the man that God gave it to. Can I tell you? Don't take somebody else's message. You can take a nugget from it and build your own. But don't be lazy and go to whatever website and print it off and think, well, this is going to preach good. Listen, the only way it preaches good is if you're anointed by the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We're not looking for motivational speakers in the house of God. We're looking for anointed men and women that will stand with the authority and the power of God where lives can be transformed and changed. Should be diligent in the word. What is a pastor? I'm sorry you're stuck with me, but what I'm getting ready to say you cannot use against me. I'm just kidding, no. Pastor is one meaning this, it's a shepherd, one that cares for, one that makes sure things are taken care of. He is someone that is concerned about the well-being of his sheep. Someone that is gifted with the ability to discern what is false and what is real. Also, the good shepherd is one, he gives us the example in John chapter 10, 11 through 14, that a good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. But a good shepherd also will stand and speak and will condemn that which is not of God. Ezekiel 34, that whole chapter beginning with verse number one deals with it as well as Jeremiah chapter 23. For the sake of time, I can't dive into those things this morning. But notice with me, a real pastor, there is some amazing ministers 
but they're not called to be pastors. They don't have the touch to delicately shepherd and care for sheep. How many knows if you're going to care for sheep, you've got to fix what's broken? Sometimes you've got to pour oil in the ears. Sometimes you even got to go out in the pasture and you got to pick up that sheep and you got to carry it for a while because it's too sick. When somebody filling the role of pastor in a local church is unwilling to do those things, it's time to move on. It's time to not do those things. And maybe you're not even in that call. Maybe you're just, can I tell you this? There is, there is a, there's a call to every bit of this. And also then this takes us into number five is what is a teacher? A teacher is a master or a scholar or somebody that has thoroughly studied the word. Here's what I want to say to you. If you have the gift of teaching, whether it's in this room or whether it's in one of those Sunday school rooms, I tell my, those that teach Sunday school for us that what you do back there is just as equally if not more important than what happens in here because that is the generation that's following us. And if we don't teach them, listen, I don't care if, these, if those kids have a snack today. I hope they do because I'm hungry myself. But if all we're doing is giving them snacks, we're not giving them much. But if a man or a woman is going to take on the role of being a teacher, they need to study. They need to prepare themselves and they need to realize that they're giving people Jesus taught by miracles. Can, you, can I tell you this? That if you're a real teacher, there should be gifts of miracles in your ministry as well. Paul, he taught by reasoning. Meaning this, he had studied in such a manner that he knew that he knew that he knew. You got to know what you're talking about. And you don't have to know it here. You just got to know it from here. You got to know it through the word, through the revelation of God. Here's good, but you got to get me on this. A teacher will be one that always builds upon the foundation of the apostles and of the prophets. And this is his goal, or her goal, is to establish the saints as well as to give them roots. A true teacher is a real gift because it will bring light to the depth of the matter. You and I today are in a culture that needs a teacher. But not only does it need a teacher, it needs a father. It needs a mother. It needs a body of Christ that is filled with the spirit of God that will love in the manner that God has called us to love. As they come to the music this morning, there's so much more I could say. I could do another week, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring this series to an end today. I want you to understand that an apostle the apostolic gift in the church will bring a balance. How many knows if something's out of balance, it's not good? But when men and women are operating in the apostolic, there will be a balance. If the church is out of balance, it means that there's an absence of an apostolic anointing. Not only will an apostle bring a balance, but a prophet will bring vision. We need vision today. We need to see beyond. Because today, can I tell you when, you, when you hear and see what the world is putting out there, you can become so enraged that you don't even have vision. 
it just does something to you that you just can't see beyond. It's like, how, how can we get beyond? That's why there needs to be that prophetic anointing flowing in the house of God because a prophet sees differently than what others see. And all oh, the evangelist. It's like a breath of fresh air. Some of you might smile a little more if you had an encounter with an evangelist. He might bring some fresh air. She might bring some fresh air to you. And the role of the pastor, I believe, is self-explanatory. It's one that can touch and carry and feel. Feel the hurts of the people. Love the people. Care for the people. And then that of the teacher brings us into a place where we're able to digest the word. You know, the church at Corinth had a problem with the teacher a little bit because when Paul returned, he said, you should be eating meat by now, but you're still on milk. It's because the role of the teacher was not fully developed and in place. I'm the first to tell you this morning that we have not yet arrived in all of these areas but I believe we're fastly approaching there because I sense that what God's getting ready to do in the earth is getting ready to cause such a great disruption. I feel like the Lord has given me a message for tonight and I'm excited to preach it. The Lord help me tonight for a few moments I'll talk about and preach about when the enemy decides to move. He's decided to make a move, and can I tell you, he's getting ready to be faced with, and he's been faced with something unexpected. And it's what I've taught about for the last four weeks, and that is this. There is a reemerging of the power of the Holy Ghost coming back to the church. And I'm not talking about just a Pentecostal denomination. But there is men and women all across this nation sitting in many different denominations it's been calling out to the Lord and there's a visitation coming and that's why we need this apostolic prophetic evangelistic pastor a teacher anointings flowing not just here but within the body of Christ can I tell you, you don't have to be in a classroom to be a teacher. You don't have to be in a platform and have your name on a sign to be a pastor. You don't have to have a business card that says apostle so-and-so to operate in an apostolic anointing. You don't have to be the most sought after man or woman to say, oh, I want them to come and speak at my conference to operate in the, in the, in the prophetic word of God. But no, we're expected to operate on that in our one-on-one encounters and in our circle. Some of you are in the business world because that's where God has strategically placed you so you can be a prophetic voice there. So you can operate with an apostolic anointing there. So you can operate with an evangelistic anointing there. But the question is, are we using those gifts? Are we using those talents? 
Are we allowing the Holy Ghost to flow through us? As we stand all over the house this morning. Biblical understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I'm not looking for an emotional response per se. I'm just looking for an open heart that would say, God, I'll be all that I can be if you'll help me. In a culture that is completely upside down, in a church world that has been infiltrated by seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There has to be an awareness and awakening to the truths of God's word. But there also has to be a response to it of saying, God, I'm I know you've put something inside of me. And you have to come to the place where you'll yield to that and surrender to that. And then begin to operate in it. There has to be a developing of it. And maybe you're under the sound of our voice today and you would say, you know what, this this series of messages of hopefully challenged you, hope you brought clarity to you. But I hope it will bring a release to you where you will begin to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you as he desires. Or maybe you're under the sound of our voice and you have given your heart to the Lord, but you have never received this precious gift. All you have to do is ask. It doesn't have to be a 20-year process, 30-year process. You just have to seek the giver of the gift and say, God, whatever you have for me, I want. And I position myself for it. And as you receive that gift, you just begin to walk out that which God has called you to be and to do. And you and I can then change a world. As they just began to minister in song today, I'm going to call us to a place of prayer this morning. First of all, if you're under the sound of my voice and you have never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'd say, I need him. Maybe your life is upside down this morning and there's no peace, there's no rest. But this morning you would say, I need to recommit my life or I need to rededicate my life. I'd love for you to come to the front of this building. But if you're here this morning and you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit and you say, I desire that gift, here's the deal. The only qualification to receive that gift, the precious gift of the Holy Spirit, is that you've got to be saved, got to be born again. And you have to realize that it is for today and you have to desire it for the right reason, to be edified and equipped so that you can be the hands and feet of Christ, to be the witnesses. 
in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You can receive that gift today. Or maybe you know, you've received that gift and you know there's gifts and callings in your life and you would say, you know what, I'm not really doing what I need to do with my giftings that God has gifted me, but I want that to change. You say, how does it change? Everything in the kingdom of God starts with this, with repentance. Lord, forgive me for not doing what you've called me to. And when we humble ourselves in his presence, there begins to be a refreshing wind of the Holy Spirit that comes and sets down upon us and equips us to do the work that he's called us to do. So as they begin to sing right now, would you come? Would you come? I'm just asking, is there anybody in this room in any of those categories that would say, Lord, I need you and I want to be all that you called me to be as they just minister in song. I just call us to prayer this morning. Pastor Jade here. I just want to thank you for watching the service with us today and being a part of it. We ask that you stay in touch with us. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And we'll see you again soon. We love you. So does God.